Welcome to The Commentaries, a podcast series from TAN in which you'll learn how to read and understand history's greatest Catholic works from today's greatest Catholic scholars. In every series of The Commentaries, your expert host will be your personal guide to not just read the book, but to live the book, shining the light of its eternal truths into our modern darkness. Visit TANCommentaries.com to get your copy of the book and to subscribe for access to all the great reading plans, new episodes, bonus content, and exclusive deals for listeners of the commentaries. Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of the commentary series on the Dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena. I am Sister Mary Madeline Todd, a Dominican sister of the Congregation of St. Cecilia in Nashville, Tennessee. Today is day 10 of our series, and we'll be looking at the final section of St. Catherine's Treatise of Discretion on the theme of moving from servile fear to filial fear and love. We will begin with a subsection on how this devoted soul, looking in the divine mirror, saw the creatures going in diverse ways. And we will conclude with the subsection, how an imperfect lover of God loves his neighbor also imperfectly, and the signs of this imperfect love. Let us open with St. Catherine's prayer to the Trinity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal God, eternal Trinity, you have made the blood of Christ so precious through his sharing in your divine nature. You are a mystery as deep as the sea, The more I search, the more I find, and the more I find, the more I search for you. But I can never be satisfied. What I receive will ever leave me desiring more. When you fill my soul, I have an ever greater hunger, and I grow more famished for your light. I desire above all to see you, the true light, as you really are. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our last segment, which was the ninth in this series, the Father responded to Catherine's desire to go deeper into the analogy of the bridge. Building upon the earlier descriptions of the bridge in relation to the body of Christ and to the stages of purification of the soul, the Father now linked each step to one of the powers of the soul. He reminded Catherine that the powers of the soul are so united that they move together towards the object they desire. If a person remains at the level of worldliness, the affections are drawn towards what is passing and by the illusion of good that passing things can offer. The intellect comes to see these worldly goods as desirable. If the memory also holds on to these passing pleasures, the will is moved to love that which seems good even if it is not the soul's highest good. It's not that the things of this world are not good, but if the soul does not stretch beyond the passing goods of this world, it will not arrive at its ultimate good in God. On the other hand, the soul that passes the way of the bridge experiences the unity of the powers of the soul in a different way. Moved by grace, the person who walks along the bridge 
has affections that are drawn towards true and higher goods, which the intellect sees by the light of faith as the true good of the soul. As memory recalls the blessings and goodness of God in the past, the soul is moved toward eternal goods rather than mere earthly goods of this world. The Father highlights how important it is to persevere in seeking the light of faith and in living according to the fire of divine charity and of stirring the memory to recall the goodness of God so that all of the powers of the soul are united in pursuing the soul's greatest and highest good and therefore in attaining true happiness. As the final section of the treatise on discretion opens, Catherine gazes into the divine mirror and sees souls pursuing many different ends. She notices immediately that many who set out to leave behind the river of destruction and step onto the bridge of Christ do so out of servile fear. Servile fear is a fear that is motivated by the fear of suffering more than by the love of God. It is often the first step that one takes in the spiritual life, but in itself it is never sufficient to reach perfect love. In order for servile fear to be purified, it has to come to be wedded to the love of virtue. The Father says to Catherine that when he first began to reveal his law to the people of God through Moses, many were motivated by fear to follow the Lord. But he so loved the world that he sent his Son to be the fulfillment of the law, so that those who were at first only motivated by fear might learn how to be motivated by love and serve God not out of fear of punishment, but out of love for the one who is offended by sin. The Father tells Catherine that every soul ought to seek to arise from servile fear that is more focused on one's own suffering and strive to arrive at love and holy fear, which is a fear of offending the goodness of God whose mercy endures forever. The one who remains only in servile fear is far more likely to fall back into the river of death and to be subject to disordered desire for things that bring pleasure. It is not that there is no role for servile fear. Often a person can be motivated to take the first step onto the bridge by servile fear. But this, the father tells Catherine, is to climb only imperfectly. This happens when a soul sees that sin brings unhappiness and punishment even on the natural level and comes to hate that fault because of the suffering it brings. We see this in a person who, while they were pursuing the things of this earth and pursuing things that were disordered and not God's will, begins to feel sorrow, loss, suffering, when the thing itself doesn't bring happiness. Such a soul may be moved to leave behind the things of sin. But the Father says, in order to climb more perfectly, the soul needs the light of faith so that it looks not only at the punishment that comes from sin or the lack of pleasure that comes from the sin, but is rather drawn by the beauty of virtue, especially of the love of God that enables the soul to experience a true joy rather than a passing pleasure. That is why the person who has climbed the second step on the bridge 
is moving towards a much greater perfection. As this soul comes to know itself to be loved, it moves beyond a servile fear. And it is not primarily through fear that it desires to walk the way of the bridge. Instead of self-love, this soul is growing in prudence and fidelity and perseverance. If a person remains only at the level of servile fear, rooted in a desire to escape their own discomfort, such a person will not ascend to the second step, where he or she could gaze on the heart of God. Even among those who are passing beyond servile fear and want to leave sin behind, the Father reveals to Catherine that there are still some who are imperfect in their love. The Father explains that if a person serves Him with a view to their own personal profit or the delight or pleasure that they find in God, although they may have some love, it is a love that is not yet perfect. Such a soul's imperfection is revealed because they get easily discouraged when God withholds consolations from them or it is revealed by the fact that they give up the love of neighbor quickly. When serving others becomes burdensome, they easily walk away. God tells Catherine that he wants to draw souls ever closer to him. And so at times he intentionally withdraws consolation because he wants to purify their love. This helps souls come to perfect self-knowledge so that they can realize that of themselves they're nothing and that they can do nothing apart from God's grace. Many abandon the way of virtue at this time of purification when they feel themselves deprived of consolation. If the soul kept her focus on truth, she would recall that God wants only our good and that He was willing to offer even the blood of His own Son to make us His adopted children. But when a soul is still imperfect in love, it uses God for its own profit and is weak in the love of neighbor. This imperfect love is never enough to attain eternal life. For to fear sin merely because of punishment or to embrace virtue from the motive of one's own personal advantage is not yet perfect love. The Father says to Catherine, Sin should be abandoned because it is displeasing to me and virtue should be loved for my sake. In trying to show what an imperfect love looks like, the Father uses the example of St. Peter, who first followed Jesus well, but who when a time of trouble came, was quick to fail the Lord and even denied that he knew him. An imperfect love of God and neighbor can be purified. If one perseveres in prayer and in good works and strives to grow in virtue, such a one can arrive at the state of filial fear. If we love God as if we were only servants under a master, that is the way He will treat us. But if we allow God to draw us into friendship with Him, He will reveal to us the secrets of His heart. Our love becomes more and more purified as we uproot pride and vice from our hearts and cling to God in holy faith. God says to Catherine that he desires to manifest his love to his children. He tells Catherine that to ordinary people, he manifests himself through the many gifts he bestows to move their hearts to gratitude. 
To those who become his friends, he honors the desires of their souls by revealing himself in the precise degree of perfection with which the soul seeks him. To souls who long for him, the Son manifests himself as truth, and the soul comes to see and taste divine goodness and the fire of divine love, which leads her not only to a greater love of God, but also to a more pure love of her neighbor. The Son manifests himself to such a soul, and by manifesting himself, also reveals the Father. Since it is impossible for us to see the Father in this life, the Son manifests Himself to us and shows us the love of God. If a person seeks the love of friendship with God, such a person swiftly ascends from the first step of the feet of Christ to the second step of the heart of Christ. Even if a person began to climb onto the feet of Christ through the fear that was servile, if such a person perseveres in seeking the Lord, they come to a level of delight and they enter into friendship with the Lord. Servile fear gives way to a fear that is filial. This is a fear when a person understands God's love and responds as a child of God. By remaining in the cell of self-knowledge, a person discovers ever more the mercy of God revealed in the blood shed by the Son. Returning to the example of St. Peter, the Lord points out that after he had denied the Son, he wept, at first with imperfection, but when he received the purifying fire of the Holy Spirit, his fear was transformed into love. By fasting and humble and continual prayer, the apostles lost their fear and entered into the love that enabled them to be so one with Christ that they fearlessly preached Christ crucified, no longer seeking anything but the will of God. For if a soul loves God without thought of self, with lively faith, and with hatred of sensuality, such a soul can swiftly rise to perfection. When a soul does not turn back from following God even when consolation is removed, such a soul awaits the coming of the Holy Spirit and the fire of divine love. As the Father revealed earlier to Catherine, love of God and love of neighbor are so one that the perfection or imperfection with which one loves God will be manifest in the way one serves one's neighbor. If people love God sincerely without self-regard, they can love their neighbors sincerely. God reveals that He places us among our neighbors so that we can render to them the love that we were unable to pay directly to Him. The Father makes it clear that all we do to another is done to Him. He uses the example of St. Paul, who before his conversion heard the Lord say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The Lord directly identifies the neighbor as Himself. And thus the Father revealed that the way we treat our neighbor directly manifests how imperfect or perfect our love of God is. In His goodness, the Lord often reveals to souls the imperfection of their love so that they can be awakened to humility and repentance and in true self-knowledge turn to Him. 
Returning to the image of the bridge, the father reminds Catherine that none of the virtues had any power to give life until they were held together with the mortar mixed with the blood of Christ. The father's call to move beyond servile fear that still focuses on self and to ascend by grace to the filial fear of love through the power of Christ's blood brings us to the end of day 10 in our study of the Dialogue of St. Catherine. This is the conclusion of the Treatise of Discretion, which is followed by the Treatise of Prayer. Having seen how essential it is to walk along the bridge of Christ crucified, Catherine next develops how essential perseverance in prayer is. Prayer enables us not only to climb the bridge, but to persevere in walking it. Next time, we'll begin the Treatise of Prayer, considering how the Eucharist effects the perfection of love. We'll be beginning with the subsection of the means which the soul takes to arrive at pure and generous love, and we'll move on to the subsection of the signs by which the soul knows that she has arrived at perfect love. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. This has been an episode of The Commentaries, a podcast brought to you by TAN. To follow the show, study more of the greatest Catholic classics, and to support the commentaries and other great free content from TAN, visit tancommentaries.com to subscribe and use coupon code COM25 to get 25% off your next order, including the dialogue and countless more spiritual works to deepen your interior life and guide you to heaven.